Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. This week, we're joined here on the Wellbeing Rebellion by Claire Wilkinson, the European HR and Wellbeing Lead at ACOM, one of the world's foremost infrastructure consulting firms. Increasingly, I'm finding that mental well-being and DEI initiatives within larger organizations are being brought under the same strategic leadership and direction. It's a trend that makes sense, especially given the particular well-being support needs of various marginalized minorities in the workplace. This week, Claire and I talk about why more companies should be approaching their employee support more holistically with an integrated approach to both DEI and well-being. She also delivers a veritable masterclass in how all organizations, regardless of size, can make employee well-being a true business imperative. So grab a notebook and your favorite drink, find a comfy spot and join us to explore how organizations can create spaces where employees not only thrive professionally, but also feel seen, heard, and valued. Trust me, this is one you won't want to miss. Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, Claire. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Ngozi. Let's just start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your role um, as the HR and wellbeing lead for it's Europe and and India, and, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So can um, you tell me a bit about what you do and what that that role encompasses? Sure. So um, yeah, I've worked for Acom for almost um, almost ten years now, but over the last two years, taken on um, a role as wellbeing lead for our Europe and India uh, region. Um, it kind of very much aligned with my passions. I think personally, I've very much found a passion for well-being over the, the last two years as well. So when I was asked to lead the well-being strategy for our Europe and India region, it um, yeah gave me a real kind of purpose and, um, and drive to, to make some change. Um, what that means in terms of my role is that um, I'm responsible for designing and um, delivering the strategy across our, our region. Uh, we have about 13,000 um, employees um, and I work with our senior leaders uh, across the business to develop a strategy um, and then ensure that it's kind of integrated into our, um, our business as usual. We talk about a, a culture of care at ACOM um, and it's very much around delivering that that culture of care so our employees feel that um, ACOM does care um, about them when they when they come to work. Now you mentioned that you have um, got a real passion for well-being and it's developed in the last two years. Was there a reason for that? Why the interest? Um, I'm not sure I can pinpoint a reason really. I I've always been interested in putting things in place at work that improve employees' experiences. So um, whether it be a maternity improvement project or um, getting involved in a, a maternas, a returners programme, sorry. Um, I've just always kind of had an interest of 
how when employees come to work can we make that an environment that doesn't negatively impact them um and post pandemic i think a lot of organizations were kind of directed more towards well-being is increasing in uh, in mm. prominence in importance um and i think a lot of people came to the realization myself included that we can all be impacted by mental health um and yeah i was just my passion kind of came from come from there and as i started to get more involved in in the work um it was i get real value from this we're making some change and that gave me a personal personal mm. feeling of um of, of adding value and uh, helping other people which which i i like i enjoy so is this a new role within acom the role of well-being lead uh, yes, um, we've always had someone to support well-being. I'd say over the past five uh, five plus years. So a colleague of mine um, implemented uh, mental health allies at Acom, developed uh, a lot of resources for our employees. Um, but the last two years, this we've had a defined uh, role to support well-being at, at Acom, um, and I think taken more of a strategic uh, approach to um, how we approach well-being ACOM. Now it might be an obvious answer but what was the the motivation for this change this new focus that the organization had on well-being because you guys have been on a bit of a journey recently haven't you? Yeah I think the pandemic has probably played a part um, in a lot of companies coming to a realization that um, more of a focus needs to be put on the importance of uh, employee well-being, the links to um, employee well-being and business performance. I think they've generally just got uh, uh, more prominent. You read about it more in um, in the press as a as a HR professional, it's definitely something that um, you read more, uh, read more about. So I think it's kind of naturally, naturally come from uh, from that. Mm. And so, what does this strategic approach look like? So our strategy, when it comes to well being, um, linked to this culture of care that that we have, um, we have three pillars to our uh, our well being strategy because. We know it's not just employees' responsibility to make change or it's not just um, our our leaders. So we have three pillars that we call uh, Be Well, which focuses on our employees' uh, support well, which focuses on our line managers, and Lead Well, which focuses on our our leaders. So we make sure that we have a a holistic approach to, to well-being to make sure we deliver on those three on those three pillars um so we make sure under a be well that our employees have the resources to support their own well-being whether that be from a preventative stage or up to um employees that might be um in a in a crisis um we also ensure that we promote a um an open culture around well-being so um if someone was to break their arm, for example, you would generally feel comfortable talking about that um, at work. So we want uh, our employees to think, well, if I'm struggling with my mental health, I can talk about that just as openly as I can if I was to um, have a, a physical uh, injury. 
and um, so that's kind of our approach in terms of our um, our employees. Uh, line managers play such a key part to employee well-being, and I think if you miss out the the line manager focus, um, from our point of view, there's kind of a, a big gap in in an approach there. So preach <laughs> absolutely because it doesn't work without the day to day involvement, yeah, buy in of the line managers you can implement the best strategy have the best tools the the most up-to-date and technologically advanced support systems if your line manager doesn't get it doesn't buy it doesn't support you as an employee yeah it's not going to work exactly and they're in such a unique position to see whether employees are struggling they have a a direct influence over employees workload the support systems around that um so yeah that for us we just can't miss out the the line manager uh focus so so what do you do for them yeah so i think it's it's a challenge um so i think it's a level of capability of line managers so making Mm. sure that they are trained in the basics of uh mental health so spotting the signs how to have uh how to have conversations but it's also making sure managers feel comfortable asking employees um about that because they could be very much trained but then if they're not confident asking employees uh, about that then it's kind of that support isn't gonna gonna go anywhere so it's just instilling in them that you can how ha- you can ask someone about their well-being you can um if they just ask if they just say i'm fine then you can ask ask again um we did um a campaign over a year ago that we launched on world mental health day called um ask twice mm-hmm. this concept that um uh, is out there in the well-being space but one that really kind of resonated with it with our employees and managers um so it's day to day it's quite common for someone to ask you hi how are you and people just say fine thanks how are you it's kind of a very natural response very British response yeah um and quite often we yeah we just say yeah I'm fine thanks and and we move on whereas if you know that person is struggling you know they've got a high workload you know that they're maybe not quite being themselves a bit more quiet we encourage everyone um, ask again to kind of say, "No, how are you really?" or "Are you sure you're okay?" And that's moving it past that very just standard hello response to, "No, I actually care. How are you? I want to find out more about this. I'm open to you telling me." Um, mm. And yeah, we we run a campaign across our region um, because we've probably got around 10 different languages across our Europe and India region. And it comes across in different ways in different languages. So we pulled together a video to show how you can ask twice in, in a local language. And mm. I think it just, it resonated with people. It's uh, It was something quite easy that everybody could get on board, uh, get on board with. Um, it was something different that we hadn't done before. Um, and I think that that helps just to find different ways to engage with people on the topic of uh, of well-being. So we found that really worked uh, worked with us, and it's something that 
colleagues and peers can use, but it's also man something that managers can use um, at the beginning of a lot of conversations. Hmm. I mean, I could talk to you forever about this. Um, that it just instantly springs loads of questions to mind. For instance, when we um, are talking to businesses about the critical importance of that leadership management manager capability piece um in we've got a a model that we use it's called the aurora 360 it's our framework for how you can embed psychological safety and therefore good mental health and well-being into the fabric of your organization yeah and it's four sections that that all need to be focused on and you know it's things like first of all how you discoveries the first element which is how you find out how people are are doing yeah managers are involved in discovery yeah. the second piece is awareness which is the training and um you know mental health first aiders and all that kind of stuff but the third piece and the the really pivotal one that up until i could say a year ago nobody really was paying attention to is empowerment which is how you can empower your managers to normalize the mental health conversation in the workplace yeah because they as you said they they have a role in helping to prevent the exacerbation of any mental health concerns yeah. because they can spot the signs earlier. And as you say, they control, they're responsible for workload and they are the only ones who can have both oversight of an employee and the, the responsibility for making sure that employee can do the work that they need to do. So they, they have the opportunities afforded to them of having one-to-ones. So it's great. The objection we always have is, well, there's many fold. First of all, the, the, the time that managers have to have the proper ask twice conversation mm. is limited because the managers themselves are what we often call the squeezed middle. They're so busy yeah. trying to do everything for everyone they don't have time to have the sensitive conversations and we as employees will feel it when the person is like, please, for God's sake, please just say you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you, how do you um, at ACOM structure a manager's um, workload so that, that they can put the employee's well-being and welfare front and center of their job? Yeah. Um, and I think time commitments is probably one of the challenges that we do face, particularly in our our industry. So ACOM is a, a consultancy, we're a professional services uh, firm. So our manager's time, our employee's time is is charged out to, to clients. Um, and I think it's, it's in getting the business to understand that investing time in employee well-being, investing time in making that culture where um, it's not just all about business performance and if you invest in employees and they're well that leads to um, an improved bottom line so I think a lot of our managers will just focus on well-being because it's the right thing but in any organization I think there's always managers who don't necessarily understand that and leaders as well and I think we're lucky with lots of our, our leaders understanding the the business case for for well-being or, or just simply getting it 
Um, our CEO is our exec sponsor for wellbeing, which our regional CEO very much sets the tone from mm. from the top. Anytime we have um, uh, an event or when we recognise wellbeing days in in the calendar, we have messages from our regional CEO. So I think also hearing that from from the above, setting that tone that employee wellbeing uh, is important to us as an organisation, it kind of gives that permission that you as a manager have the the time and um, the okay to invest in your your own well-being but also the well-being of your of your teams um, and for those line managers who aren't as uh, confident or ca- uh, comfortable having those conversations we have um, a well-being check-in structure for them to kind of say mm. these are some opening questions that you can ask these are some things that we would maybe suggest you um you uh, steer away from but it just gives them that reassurance that if they want to they can have a have a structured conversation but we also say sometimes it's just enough to say how are you like how are you doing and um that's enough for employees to know that that manager actually cares about their their well-being so that's so heartening to hear particularly about the the leadership right from the very top because that's exactly where the culture is formed it's um it's impossible for us to to create a culture of care in our organizations if the senior leadership team don't really (laughs) don't really care so um that leads you on to the lead well yes our lead well pillar so um as you say, yeah, it's very much about ensuring accountable leadership, uh, setting mm. that tone from uh, from the top. So we have um, we uh, put it in place uh, about two years ago. So we have a wellbeing steerco. Um, that's where we kind of define our strategy, review progress, um, look at any proposals that we want to put in place or any bumps in the road. And that's Can I just the, ask yeah. who, who's on the steering co. Um, is it senior leaders as well? Yeah, so it's made up of senior representatives from each part of our business. So it ensures that um, they're involved in the implement the defining of the strategy because that will um, uh, aid the accountability. And then what our Steerco representatives uh, do is they have that link back into their area of the business. They sit on sit on the leadership teams on their area of the business so it allows them to keep well-being as um as a business priority keep it around kind of that leadership uh table ensure that local leadership is aware of uh our approach to well-being what we're doing um but it's also two ways so if there are local issues within that area of the business they can then feed that back we discuss those at um at steerco and then if that requires a, an adjustment in how we approach well-being, then at least we're hearing uh, hearing directly from those different parts of the, of the business. And when you've got a such a widespread, like we do across Europe and India, there's different cultures um, to uh, take, into, um, take into consideration. And that just allows that representation um, as well. So that's kind of where we get that senior leadership accountability and buy-in is that they are involved in decisions. They help us um, 
look to how we can properly embed this within the within the business. Um, we have representatives from our uh, employee resource group sitting on as well. So it's it's that kind of uh, top bottom up and top down approach to mm-hmm. that decision making um, as well. This is a masterclass, honestly. To- <laughs> all the rebels listening this is exactly how you make sure well-being is thoroughly embedded throughout your organization it's it's not just focusing on the 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 low hanging fruit of oh we can train people we can yeah train um mental health first aiders and we can have some awareness days it is getting your most senior leaders to be as bought in to well-being as you as the well-being lead yeah they need to have accountability and as much as you can have metrics and stewardships that they are responsible for that pertain to mental health and well-being then that is how you're going to get their attention yeah and that's how you're going to get support for implementing the strategies that you want to implement is that what you guys do at Acom then? Yeah, I think we're we're clear that well-being is not a HR issue to solve, um, and this we all need to kind of work together on what looking at what the issues are, um, and then finding what the solutions are, and really making sure that well-being is part of business as usual. As you say, it's not just mm. about an event; it's not just about um, rolling out specific initiatives it's actually embedding well-being in everything that we that we do and I I can't sit here and say we have it perfectly solved we're on a a journey our approach is kind of we're looking at kind of three to five year um, uh, long-term kind of strategies here but we can slowly put things um, in place to change that culture to make people feel that they can openly talk about it because they hear their leaders sharing their personal stories, for example, and they can mm-hmm. see, well, oh, if my senior leader in my part of the business is talking about some of the challenges they have faced, um, then there's no reason that I can't open up um, as well. Not everyone will feel comfortable with that, but the sharing of personal stories, for example, is where we found um, a lot of engagement from our employees. Um, You can do articles sharing employee assistance program, for example, but when we actually share personal stories, um, that's where people really seem to engage with them. And it just, it sets that tone. It sets that feeling of, oh, okay, at at Acon, we we can talk about this if uh, if we feel comfortable. So one of our senior leaders shared a story about burnout um, and how it affected them, their kind of road to recovery and what they would encourage others to do to not repeat what they went through. I think is we naturally from the days where we uh, sat around campfires by caves, we're naturally drawn to stories. That's how we learn. Um, So it's no surprise that sharing personal stories of leadership who have experienced issues with their mental health or supporting those who have had problems with their mental health is the way that employees can can see that 
what you are uh, are saying in theory actually plays out in practice that we do care we do want to hear you matter you are valued that's absolutely splendid I can't believe I said splendid what am I (laughs) 80 I feel 80 people I really do I feel tired and 80 today but anyway splendid um it is fantastic Uh, it and that brings us on to the subject of this this whole episode this show is the integration of well-being with generally the whole diversity equity and inclusion yeah. piece like uh, when we jo- when we started aurora it was over 6 years ago now well-being mental health first of all it wasn't a thing we were pushing on a, a very much a, a shut door but um it certainly wasn't a thing that was tied to any existing strands within the um, people and, and culture piece. It wasn't linked to DEI. And I, it's only recently that I've heard, uh, in the last year or so, 18 months, I've heard DEIB. So that's diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. Yeah. And for me personally, for, for Aurora, we so strongly believe that well-being is part of that belonging. This is this is generally about what kind of organization are you running? Yeah. And is it the kind of organization that is a welcome place for everyone? Uh yeah. what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, so I think we agree. Um so just over a year ago we integrated our um well-being and um, EDI. So I actually report to the head of uh, EDI, um, and it's it's just it's all about cultural change. There's so many similarities in the approach to EDI, the approach to to well-being, and I think in lots of organisations, well-being can sometimes sit in health and safety. It can mm-hmm. stand alone. It can sit in EDI. But for us, it's whilst we work closely with uh, our health and safety teams, we we put it um, under the umbrella of um, EDI because yeah, it's it's all about cultural change. It's it's creating that environment where um, we talk about thrive. It's one of our, our values at, at ACOM, um, and yeah, it allows employees to uh, to be part of an environment where they can thrive, whether it's um, where they feel comfortable um, with their um, sexual orientation or the colour of their skin. It's we create that environment where that is not a barrier um, and well-being is, um, is very similar. So uh, we have uh, members of our employee resource groups um, on our well-being steer code so they can give us that perspective of their, of their communities Um and help feed into, right, is the strategy that we're looking at at ACOM, one size fits all, never really works. How do we make sure that we adjust our approach to uh, benefit their uh, their ERGs and really look at the issues that are affecting uh, their ERGs? Um, but also we work with them to build well-being into their business plans, for example. So each of our employee mm-hmm. resource groups will have business plans um, that what they want to achieve um, in the year ahead. We try and build well-being um, into that because, yeah, like I said, it's um, it's all related. And practically, 
what difference has that made now that you've become part of the EDI um, team? Has that made any practical difference to either the resources you have available to you or um, how that's rolled out across the organisation? Yeah, I think um, it's hard tangibly. We've um, we've run both a, a wellbeing survey and EDI survey for the first time this year. So in terms, what of- a combined one. They were separate this time, but in the okay. future we might we might combine them. But that's kind of our, our, our baseline data for a lot of the the measurements. But you find things coming out of the EDI survey, for example, that talk about about well being. Um, and just when we drive our different approaches, we can talk about them interchangeably. So things that we're looking at in our um, EDI strategy, you can talk about how that will influence. Uh, positively impact someone's um, well-being when we're looking at our approach to well-being we can look at well how do we um, adjust that to support our pride um, uh, employee resource group for example so it's just interchangeably talking about the uh, the two topics because um, yeah they um, we take very similar approaches to how we um, how we make that uh, that change at an organisational level and make people feel like they they belong, that they are um, that they can they can thrive at work. Mm. Uh, I find this really fascinating because the the other thing that you um, mentioned was it did make me think. I wonder if that's where it should sit. We we have run a roundtable that we uh, it, we call mental health is a safety issue. Yeah, because it is. Right. It, it's actually a, a risk to the organization and the International Standards Organization have, have actually put out a, a, a safety standard for mental health and, and safety. And and I do suspect maybe it's because I come from a, an oil and gas corporate background where due to <laughs> the tragedy that was the Exxon Valdez in the 80s, yeah. we we do know that safety isn't just a isn't just a, a moral imperative it has a lot of um f- uh, i hate going back to money but it does have a financial impact on yeah. the success of an organization and would companies take it more seriously if mental health was aligned with the safety health and environment side of the organization would 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 it become less fluffy and yeah. nice to have if it was considered to be a, as as hard a metric as physical health and safety because nobody messes with having um deaths on site injuries yeah. on site but but still we're still having to debate about why you need to invest to stop employees going off sick because of their mental health yeah that's either exacerbated or caused from work so um yeah, I'm in two minds now about whether it belongs in DEI or health and safety, but wherever we can get the most attention, I think naturally it does fit into that culture piece. Yeah. Like you say, that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, but it does, we also work quite closely with, um, with our uh, health and safety team. So on a quarterly basis, we um, update our executive 
regional team on mm-hmm. on well-being and that's actually a joint session with uh, with our health and safety teams and that was our way of kind of integrating the the two because as you say there's uh we have no issues with we wouldn't send anyone onto site without a hard hat that's an example I quite often mm. use when it comes to to this we would never send anyone on a on a site without a hard hat because we know that they're um, their physical health could be um, be at risk we need to think the same when it comes to to mental health so kind of what's the what's the mental health protective equipment that we need to put in place so that our employees mental health is protected just like we would protect their physical health and sometimes that's the the hook that you need to have with um, managers leaders in the in the business to to get them to understand that oh okay that's the little nugget that's getting me to really understand why we need to look at well-being and I think that's why there's no kind of singular approach with managers or leaders it's either the right thing to do um, it's the it's the link to health and safety and um, employee uh, external reputation of a company it's the link to the bottom line there's so many reasons that Mm. we look at employee well-being and if one approach doesn't work the simple one is this is the right thing to do we're we're talking about people if that doesn't work let's works with a lot but if that doesn't work right what's that hook that you can get them to understand why this needs to be a business uh, a business issue our audience are going to learn so much from you from this because you are saying everything that we've been preaching for the last <laughs> six years what I was curious about is you you mentioned that you um present to the uh the the health and safety committee um well-being metrics what metrics do you measure so it's a work in progress, I'd have to have to say, but we look at um, our sickness absence rates um, where we can in the UK. We link that to mental health sickness absence. We look mm-hmm. at the usage of our employee assistance programme. We look at how many approaches our mental health allies um, have had. And then we use um, uh, feedback that we get through like our surveys, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this first survey we've done has given us that baseline data. When we repeat it in the future, it's more tangible to say we've seen X percent increase in employees saying their well-being is excellent or good or employees saying that they're comfortable talking to their line manager about their their well-being. So data is uh, a work in progress and sometimes a, a challenge, but we just try and pull different data points uh, where we can. If you don't measure it you can't improve it you won't invest in it and you'll stop doing it yeah it's really simple so I think that's that's so important to know that there are ways that again we we say in our round table you can quantify happiness it is possible so uh, it's it's good to know that that Akon you understand that and you're actually doing it even if it is slightly tricky or a bit challenging and this is a this is a journey to use that trite phrase. It is a journey because, you, you know, this has been three years or so in the making is this understanding that mental health is a business imperative. So uh, it's it's understandable that we haven't got it absolutely nailed yet. 
but that's no excuse for not trying. Yeah. So that's, that's so good to hear. Um, Oh, I, I could speak to you forever, but for the benefit of time, um, because I, I really appreciate you giving up your time. Just one final question, Claire, and it's our signature question. And it's this, as a fellow well-being rebel, which I know you are, from everything you've said, as a fellow well-being rebel, what's one change that you would like to see implemented in workplace well-being? For me, I think it links back to what I was saying previously about um, health and safety. It's well-being and, and cultural change. It's well-being isn't an add-on. It's not a a side project that teams work on. It's actually something that businesses understand is integral to business success and is something that you need to look after for the sake of your your people. So um yeah it's something that's integrated into into businesses rather than something that's uh, that's on the side um i'd like that as well if i could vote for that that would be my one change that i would have is for organizations to to put employee well-being employee welfare right at the heart of their business um it benefit everybody claire thank you so much I've learned a lot. Um, I know our audience has learned a lot. It's so good to see that there are organizations who are trying to do the right thing by their people. So um, you've cheered me right up. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on the podcast today. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues. Follow us on LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.